Hello, and thank you for connecting with us here at Oasis Online. If this ministry is an encouragement to you, I would love to hear from you. Would you send me an email at pastor at obclv.org? I hope you enjoy the service today and that God would speak directly to your heart. Amen, and thank you again for being here with us. We are in the middle of a series entitled, We Are the Church, and as I stated last or, uh, earlier last week, we started, and the thought last week was, what is the church? Looking at really some of the basic, foundational, simple truths is what we looked at last week, and looking at that the church has the greatest and most solid and perfect foundation, that being Christ. We also looked at the church has the greatest security ever in that Christ said that the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And we also saw as we kind of closed out the service last week that there's a great responsibility which uh, when if we were to go back to that passage where Jesus looked at Peter and said that he was going to give him the keys of the kingdom, that, that he would take the truths of God's word and that he would then teach that, that he would then uh, expound upon that as he went and did the ministry that God had called him to do. And as we look at that today for you and for me, we have a great responsibility in what it is that we as a church are called to do. Not just me as a pastor, Not just Dan as a pastor, but we as individual believers in God have been given the truths and what we are to do as we go about the the ministry or the the business, so to speak, of what God has called us. And this morning we're going to look at this thought of why the church. Why do we exist? Why is Oasis Baptist Church here? And this morning we're going to look at many different thoughts and we're really just going to dissect a little bit our, our mission statement and our vision and the, the core values of who Oasis is. But take it just one step further, I guess you would say, as to really why. Because I believe with everything in me, one of the things that I've heard often in, in our society in which we live is, is kind of the whole what's in it for me type of mentality. What's in it for me? In everything that we do in our culture, and I don't think it's just 2018, I think it's for all time, we are selfish individuals, individuals, and we look at everything with this lens. What's in it for me? If I'm going to do this, what do I get out of it? And sadly, but I believe true, we've brought that same mentality into the church. What is in it for me? Why should I? Pastor, you ask us to do this. Pastor, you you expect this and you want this and you ask these things. What's in it for me? Why should I do those things? And this morning, I want to look at some of those things, not just because, uh, though the, the foundation is God's word said, but the other part of that is just let's get some practicality to it this morning. Why would we do these things? And so as we get into this thought this morning, why the church? Why are we here? Why are we in this community? How are we to do this? Why does God say, or why, does, why do I always say things like, you need to know the Lord? Why do I say, say things or challenge you to walk with God and that you are serving God, you are giving to God, you are doing things? Why do we do those things? I I just stated it, but I believe in everything in me. The enemy in our culture has completely robbed so many believers because we have bought into a complete fallacy and a lie that the church just wants something from you. I'll just be really, really honest. I don't need anything from you. I don't ask you to give so that my salary can go up. I don't ask you to serve so that we can have more people. I don't encourage you to go tell people about Jesus so that Oasis becomes a bigger name. And I don't do those things for my benefit. This is not for my benefit. It's not for Oasis Baptist Church benefit. It is for your benefit. And besides that, it's that God had called us to do so. We have bought into a lie, hook, line, and sinker, straight from the devil, straight from the enemy, that we... Somehow the church is the bad guy. Those pastors are always speaking about money. I'll be real honest. I don't remember the last time I spoke about money. And not because I'm afraid to. I really don't care. And I don't mean that in disrespect. That's 
If you know me, money is not a driving force for anything that I do. I ask you to serve. Nobody wants to serve in the nursery. I get it. God doesn't need you to serve in the nursery. God needs your heart. God doesn't need us to do certain things. He wants to know us. He wants our heart. He wants you. But because we bought into this lie that the enemy has has instilled in us that the church just wants something. The church just needs these things to make it bigger and better and better. And the, the, the pastor wants something more. We've bought into this lie. Why, why is the church here? Why are we doing these things? And I believe with everything in me, as we look this morning, that as we become and grow in our walk with God as we learn to know Him better. That out of the outpour of our knowing God, we would desire to walk with Him, that is, serve Him and and give and do all of the practical things with it. And out of the outpouring of all of those things, we naturally desire to share Him. Why? Because as we get to know something and we begin to love it, we naturally speak of it. We do things with it. And I believe, and I keep saying that, but I, 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 I believe with everything, and I don't think that it, this isn't just a me saying this, this is every one of you that would say this exact same thing. Have any of you ever just given of yourself and then stepped back and was like, wow, that was really dumb, I never should have done that. Anybody ever done that? Nine out of ten times, here's what we do. I would say probably more than that. Christmas was just a few minute, few months ago or a month and a half ago, a month ago, whatever. I don't even know when we are. Christmas was a month ago. We asked you to grab things off of the angel tree. I don't know any of you that bought something off an angel tree and came back and was like, Pastor, can you give me my money back? That was a complete waste of my time and money that I went and bought something for those people that didn't have anything. Nobody did that. Not one of you did. I've traveled and I have the fortune to to travel and I've taken some of you with me as I've traveled. We went to Haiti just recently. Uh, we went to we've taken trips to Guatemala. I've been fortunate to go to Egypt into the uh, to South America down by the Amazon River and done different things. There's never been a time where I've left those places and I've thought, "Wow, I'm glad I came because I was such a blessing to them." Never once did I leave thinking what a blessing I was to them. I always left thinking what I was so great, I was blessed more than I ever could have been a blessing to them. We know this. Every person that sits in this room knows this. That when we give of ourselves to God, the greatest blessing is not that we gave to somebody, that we gain the greatest blessing because we gave of ourselves in humility and we did it with the heart of serving God. But yet we have allowed the enemy to deceive us that we ought to be selfish because we have time that's important. Because our finances are important. Because my family is important. And because this is important and this is important and that is important. And we've allowed the enemy to dupe us and to deceive us into thinking that something that I have is of more importance than me knowing God giving back to God and sharing what God has blessed me with. We've allowed it. And this morning, I'm yelling and it's just started. But man, as we know God, our passion of knowing Him should drive us in every other avenue and area of our lives. And never should we look and go, wow, you know what? I don't know that I have time to do that. I don't know that I, know. And so this morning, we're going to look at several things. I'm going to share with you, before I get too far into it, three things that we at, a, as, at Oasis have have. have put together that is kind of the why Oasis exists thoughts. 
And those statements are this. One of them is that Oasis Baptist Church exists to be and to create passionate followers of Christ. Oasis Baptist Church exists to be and to create passionate followers of Christ. I guess it was about excuse me, three years ago we got together with the, uh, 20 or 30 people from our church and we began to go through some of these things as to who we are and what we're striving to do and all of these thoughts. And the, the conclusion based on scripture and other things was that Oasis exists, that we as believers would be passionate followers of Christ. Every person in this room, it should be our desire that we would know God and become passionate followers of Christ. It is also and should be your desire to share your faith with others, to bring people along that they would then become passionate followers of Christ. The other thing that we have done is we, could, we put together kind of a vision. What would be the big goal of this? And our goal would be this, is that Oasis Baptist Church would be a family of believers growing in the Word of God daily, encouraging one another, living a Christ-centered life so that the power of Christ through Oasis creates an impact on the community that transforms, leading others to Christ and uniting us for God's glory. So we are to be passionately following Christ, but how are we doing that? Some of those little, little nuggets of that is that we would grow daily in God's word. When I'm growing daily, that we would encourage one another within the family of Christ, that we would, as a body of believers, we would encourage each other, we would love on each other, we would do those things, we would live a Christ-centered life, that everything within me, when I go to work in the morning, when I talk to my neighbors, everything that I do would, to the best of my ability, be Christ-centered, that God would be in the heart of everything that I do. And it's that the power of God through Oasis, through you as individuals, would create an impact in the community. That as we grow daily in God, as we encourage one another, as we live Christ-centered, as we do all of those things, when we walk out of these doors, you're going to spend far more time outside of these walls than you'll ever spend in them. And as we do that, your life is going to be impactful to those around you for the kingdom of God, thus creating or leading us into a united family of God. Those are some goals that we have placed out there. And we put those into action in three different ways, and these are the three thoughts that will be this morning, is that passionate followers of Christ know Him, walk with Him, share Him, and are a united family. And as we go through all of these different things this morning, we're going to be in Acts chapter 2, and I'm going to look at knowing, to know Him, to walk with Him, and to share Him. And my goal, my prayer, is that we would do so, one, in a practical sense, but we would also understand what God's Word says about knowing God, about walking with God, about sharing Him. And I believe that as, our, as a church, we've done several things that we're not, we've not arrived in any way, shape, or form. We are striving to do what God would call us to do. But I think about this. As we know God, as we walk with God, and as we share God, every person in this room that is affiliated and that is serving and is, that is seeking God, is giving to God, has an amazing opportunity to be a part of something awesome. Think about this for just a minute, and this is kind of the heartbeat behind a lot of this this morning. Each and every one of you has an impact and has something to do with a man who just a couple weeks ago walked through our doors as a guest, came to know Jesus Christ as his Savior. That's exciting to me. And if you give to this church, if you serve, if you do whatever it is, listen, think about this, and I don't know, but maybe as he sat there, he had a quiet opportunity. He didn't have kids screaming around him. And he was able to focus and pay attention. Guess what? If you're serving in the nursery on that particular day and you were not sitting in this room, if you were serving with our children and you were not in this room, you had every bit of that experience that I had and that we had in this room. Because we gave him that. Think about this. We went to Haiti just a few, a uh, couple months ago. There was six or seven of us, whatever it was. We went to Haiti just a little bit ago. When we went to Haiti, one, some of you gave to that trip. We sponsor, we, uh, we have missionaries out in Haiti, and we serve those group of people. Listen, every person that is impacted in Haiti because of new missions, we as a body have some part in that. That's exciting to me. 
So when those children, I was following something the other day, they have a soccer team and they won some soccer games. I don't know all of the details, but every time a child comes into one of those schools or goes into one of those churches and gives their lives to Jesus, you, as Oasis Baptist Church, have an impact and have something we can kind of pat ourselves, look what God's doing. The refuge for women. You go, well, what? those are some simple things. No, but every time you at a church, when you pray for our church, when you pray for the leaders, when you pray that God would use the finances, when you give of your finances, when you serve in a place that might be menial and somebody might think it's silly, when you do those things, when you come to clean a restroom and all of those things, we have a part in somebody's life. Think about this. There's a, there's a lady that's going to walk into the Women's Resource Medical Center today planning to have an abortion, but because we gave money and there's people people that gave money, that family or that organization is going to love on that woman and we are going to have a part of saving one child's life. That's special to me. That's the body of Christ working in so many different avenues. But as we know God, as we walk with Him and share Him, we have a part of every one of those little things. Somebody that comes to know Christ. A life changed in Haiti. The Swingles who are in the Middle East. Serving God in a place that you and I, let's get real, don't want to be. When you have to send an email in code. (laughs) Hey, I'll be real honest. My hand ain't the first one to go up when somebody's like, hey, who wants to go there? Anybody else? Yeah, but we serve or we partner with somebody who is there. And every time he has a conversation and his wife has a conversation, you and I have a piece of that. That is the church. That is the body of Christ. And so this morning, as we go through these things, why? Why? Well, some of the whys were answered in some of those things that we have an impact in all of those different areas. But individually, why? Why would we do these things? Acts chapter 2, starting in verse number 42 I believe everything is on the screen. If you do not have your Bible in front of you, it says this, And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, in fellowship, and in breaking of bread, and in prayers. And fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. And all that believed were together and had all things common, and sold their possessions and goods and parted them to all men as every man had need. And they, continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. Father God, I come to you this morning. And Lord, I pray. I pray that the words that come out of my mouth are words strictly from you. I pray that there is no... Uh, I hate saying the soapbox that I would stand upon today based on the church, but God, that, that you would pierce our hearts. Lord, I believe you've given us an amazing church. I, I believe you've given us a, a loving gathering of people, a loving body. But Lord, help us. Help us to, to have a desire to know you better. Help us to have a desire to want to walk closer to you and and, and share our faith with those that are around us. Lord, that you would allow us to be a part of impacting this community for the cause of Christ. Meet with us now in Jesus' name. Amen. The first thought this morning is this. The first thought this morning is simply know Him. In Acts chapter 2, again in verse 42, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and breaking of bread and in prayers. They were constantly uh, looking into God's word. They were, again, the apostles' doctrines. Those are the things that the apostles had heard from Christ and that they were putting down the teachings of the church. Knowing him is vital to why the church exists. It exists that we would uh, grow and know him more and more intimately. It is imperative that the the leadership is teaching uh, 
the scriptures of God's word, that the small groups that we do are, are, are being founded on the, on the word of God, the doctrines, everything that we do within our church is based on God's word and growing in God's word. Paul said it this way in, in 1 Corinthians 2, For I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified. I, I am blown away. I love that passage of scripture and I think often of my, to myself and I'm thinking, is my whole life focused on simply knowing God in a greater way? His whole, everything that he said, I am determined to know anything, not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Everything about him was driven that he would know God in a more intimate manner. And I have to question myself, I have to think to myself, I look in the mirror, we spoke of this just a couple weeks ago, that we would examine ourselves. Is my life in such a way that I just focus, I have one focus, one desire, and that is to know God and know Him more intimately in my life. Man, that's kind of gut-wrenching in some ways. But I think of this. See, we look at it so often in our culture, in our world, that, well, God just, you know, for you and me, I want people to like me. I want more followers on Facebook. I want more followers on Twitter. I want more Instagram this, and I want all these people. Everybody needs to know me. We have to have ourselves out there. God doesn't need all that. Did you know that? God doesn't have a Facebook account. He doesn't have a Twitter. He doesn't need that. He just wants to know you. He wants for you to, to desire to know Him, that we would follow after Him, that we would, that we would understand that He, listen to this, this, just think about this, He is the open door to everything you have in life. And John 8 says that you will know the truth and the truth would set you free. Just if we were to stop, the truth is knowledge. Truth gives us freedom. It gives us wisdom. It guides us. It directs us. The truth is what is needed in our toughest of times. Listen, we go through so many different things. There's people in our church today that are going through things I never, ever, ever hope to go through. And I would just tell you, regardless of what you face today, there is one thing greater than anybody else that can give you anything. It is the Word of God, the truths that God has given to us and poured into our lives as we know Him. It seeps through everything that we do. And in those moments, we don't need just a friend. Friends are great. But there's been many times in my life, as much as I love my wife and as she is my greatest of friends, there was nothing that she could offer for me. I just needed a little bit of God. The truths of God are the things that set us free. The truths of God are the things that give us peace. The truths of God are those things. And as we know Him, those are the things. It's God's Word that sets me free. It's God's Word that gives me the, the ability to walk and to do the things when I don't think I can go any further. It's not because I... There's been many, many times that I've sat down across the table with somebody who has lost somebody. And I've thought to myself, I have no idea what I can tell you. Do you know the reality is I cannot tell you anything that you haven't already heard. As a believer in God, we have one thing that is the truths of God's word that enable us to keep moving. And so in all of those moments, in all of those things, it's, it's knowing him. Knowing him gives us everything that we could ever need or want. You want a blessing? Listen, there's a lot of people that teach all kinds of crazy things. Hey, come to Jesus and you'll be rich. I'll promise you this. You'll be rich. It won't be financially. You'll be rich because he has and he owns the, the cattle on a thousand hills. You'll be rich not because God's going to pay all your bills. No, because the richness that God provides is because you know him. The one that said, uh, let there be light and there was light. I know that guy. The richness that we look at is completely different when I look at this and I think of all these things you want a great blessing would anybody in here say no pastor uh, I'm, I'm praying today that God will not bless my life no every person that you'll ever come in contact with will be like yes I would love to be blessed with lots of things 
I'll promise you this. You dive in, seek God with everything that you have. I will promise you the most amazing blessing that you could ever have. God's word said, why would we do this? Why would we do this? 2 Timothy 2.15, study to show thyself approved unto God. A workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. That we would be diligent in God's word, that we would have, uh, we would be diligent in our study, that we would prove or show ourselves. This this thought is that um, if you were to take a coin or take something and put it in the fire and it would come out as proved, it would come out as pure, that we would do that, that God would approve us as we study God's word, as we know God's word, as we love God's word. That we would be able to rightly divide the word of truth. How many of you guys, and just be real honest, would say, Pastor, if I was just to be honest, it's really intimidating to think that I am supposed to rightly divide the word of God. Most everybody in this room would say, yeah, it's intimidating. You know what? It is. Do you know what? You're looking at a guy, and I don't think anybody are questioning this, but I don't have the answers either. There's times it's intimidating. It's intimidating to sit down for me, to sit down with a group of pastors who may have theology degrees. I don't have those. It's intimidating. It's intimidating to sit down to think that God has entrusted me with rightly dividing the word of truth for you. It's intimidating. But you know what I know? I know this. If you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, that God's Word says that the Holy Spirit indwells in us, and that same Holy Spirit that speaks to me can speak to you. And the same Holy Spirit that gave the power for Christ to rise from the dead is the same Holy Spirit that lives in you. In the same Holy Spirit that when Jesus was being tempted by the devil upon a mountain, that Jesus spoke to the devil and he ran. The same Holy Spirit is in you. And guess what? I can be intimidated, but I can also know that when I know God, He speaks. And when He speaks... I can do some of these things. The next passage isn't any less intimidating. In 1 Peter 3.15, Be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. And the next verse, in verse 16, it says, Having a good conscience, that whereas they speak evil of you as of evildoers, they may be ashamed that falsely accuse you or accuse your good conversation in Christ. Or, yeah. So when we look at this thought, man... I'm a little bit intimidated to think that God had called, God didn't say, hey, pastors, be able to rightly divide. No, people, believers, followers of God, rightly divide the word of truth. Then he says, not pastors be able to give an answer, but believers that we would be able to give an answer. Hey, how many hands go up again? That's intimidating. When Johnny Sue at at work says, hey, you need to tell me, is God real? If God is so loving and God is so real, then why do bad things happen? If God is so this, then why does this take place? Who says that your God is the only God? And you're like, uh, I don't know what to tell you. Listen, it's intimidating. It's intimidating at times. But listen, I'll tell you this at the same time. If I don't know anything here, one, I don't even re- I don't even begin to have a thought of how to respond. But as I know God in my life and I walk with Him and I'm striving to know Him, I'm able to have an answer. You don't have to be a genius to be able to respond in a loving manner, to live according to the ways that God has called us to live. We don't have to be genius in that. Listen, I'll be the first to say I'm not the greatest apologist in the world. I'm not. But the Holy Spirit works in me and I can have a conversation with somebody. I can answer somebody. I can also say this. You know what? I'm not real sure about that. But I would love to get back to you. 
We can all do that. Hey, you know what? I never heard anybody say that. And I'm going to study that. I'm going I'm to get right back to you. We can do those things. But as we go through Scripture, why? Why do we need to know Him? This morning we look at all of those things. We look at that, that God uh, spoke to Paul. Paul said, I'm determined to know nothing except for him. We look at the truth that will set us free. We look at studying to show ourselves. We look at that I am to give an answer. And we need to know all of these things. We need to, to know God so that I can be ready to give him a response. But why must we know him? We must know him intimately for our own benefit. Simply this, listen just to know him you go that's really really easy that's a that was kind of a dumb i was waiting for something deep you know what the greatest part of knowing my wife is just knowing her it's really fun you might say well your wife is boring you might say i am very boring which I am, well, she's this or you're that or whatever those things are, and you might, we all have those. But to me, the joy of my relationship is I just get to know her. I don't have to do crazy things. I can sit down at a dinner table and we can have great conversation. I just get to know her. Do you know what she doesn't want from me? She doesn't want all my stuff. She doesn't want all my money. She already has that. (laughs) And it's not much. No, but you know what I don't want from Mindy? I don't want her to serve me. I don't want her to do all these nice things for me. You know what I really want from Mindy? Is I just want Mindy. Do you know what I get from Mindy? Is all of that other stuff. Do you know why? Because we know each other and we love each other. I'll promise you, our first date was not as cool as the last date that we just had. Do you know why? Because conversation is a lot different. There's more of an intimate knowledge there. It would not be as fun if I were to just say, Hey, um, hey why don't one of you guys come with me? We're going to go on a family vacation. I'm going to take you. Uh, you. So for the next 30 hours, we drive sometimes to Ohio. For the next 30 hours, it's you and me and my family. And it's going to be fun because we're going to have fun because we're going to Ohio, whatever it is that we're doing. But the reality of that, the depth of that trip is really going to be kind of like, what do I have to say next? Because I don't know you. I know her. So we can laugh about things that you and I wouldn't laugh about. And you might go, that's really dumb. You shouldn't laugh about that. But to us, we laugh. Inside jokes? Anybody have inside jokes? Everybody else is like, what are you talking about? Where does that come from? Knowing people. As we know him, it makes it more pure. It makes it more exciting. And we desire that deeper walk. The next thought is to walk with him. The natural outcome of knowing Him is that we would walk with Him. Acts 2, 40, or 2 going forward, 43 and 46, that there, that it says that fear came upon them. It says that wonders and signs were done, that they sold their possessions and their goods, and they gave them to all men. I'm just kind of paraphrasing. They, commit, they continued daily in the Word of God. They came to a place where they desired to know Him. The Holy Spirit came upon them. Life's actions change. When God gets a hold of your heart, your actions change. When God gets a hold of your heart, your walk of life completely becomes different. Their life changed. They began to see miraculous things. They began to do things that they may not have done before. And beyond that, it says they sold their things. Listen, how many of you in this church, if I were to say, listen, God is doing something special. We need this, this, this. And you would be like, you know what? Today, I think I'm going to sell my house. I'm going to sell my car. I'm going to sell everything I have. And I'm going to begin to give it to everybody else in the church. That's what they did. Why? Because God showed up and God did something. 
prior to this, it didn't say that these people sold everything and gave it so that they could start to have a church. No, God got a hold of their lives. They were changed spiritually. And when they changed spiritually, they sold the things that God had given to them so that they could care for the rest of the people. I'm not asking you to sell everything that you have. But these are the things that God's people do when God gets a hold of them. See, I, I, I went to Colombia and Brazil in October. And I met a pastor there by the name of Marcos. And when I got to know Marcos through a translator and listening to his testimony and all of these different things, I was blown away. And I really just thought, I'm going to sit down on this chair. Why don't you stand up and begin to teach me a little bit? Because Marcos had a faith that I had never seen before and I've never heard before other than honestly reading Scripture. And there was parts of that that blew me away. And so when I left and I've come back here, and one of the things, if you've heard anything about my story to the Columbia, I've talked about this pastor and his incredible faith. See, just last two weeks ago, I got a, pa- a call from uh, the pastor in, at Life that I went to Colombia with, and he said, hey, we're going to be going back to Colombia and back to Brazil, and we're going to go do some things with Marcos. And this is what this... I I take away from this conversation. He said we're going to be building something for Marcos. And I'm like, oh, that's cool. What's going on? Marcos sold two houses and gave them to people in his village because they had a need. When God gets a hold of you, you do things that you normally don't do. I get that Marcos lives literally in in the jungle of the Amazon. I get that he lives and his transportation is the Amazon River. I get all of that. But even there, probably maybe even more so than here, a house means an awful, awful lot. And he gave away two of them. I look at this and I think, wow. Wow. When God gets a hold of me, what would I do? To serve him and the people that he has called me to serve. Man, this man in the Amazon gave away houses. This man goes days without food so that the people in his church can eat. I'm going, well, I drive a grandpa car and I really don't want to drive a grandpa car. This man's giving away house, houses. Two different contexts of life, I understand that. But when God gets a hold of our hearts, things change inside of us. When we get to know God, things change. If the goal is knowing Him, in knowing Him, God's Word says that we bear fruit. John, it speaks of bearing fruit, bearing much fruit and bearing more fruit. Paul says in Galatians that that we would bear the fruits of the Spirit. John speaks of abiding in the vine, and that is we are able to live and bear the fruit because we live or abide in Him. The things that take place is as we know Him, and everything outside of that is based on Him. In order to walk, we have to know. But why should we walk? I'll say this again, there is no greater joy than pleasing our Father. One of the greatest joys that I have on this earth is having an amazing relationship with my Father. He is a hero. He is a mentor. He is a man that I look up to for so many things. He is a best friend. My dad is a man that I think very highly of. And you know, one of the greatest things on this earth is to know that I have a great relationship with my father. You know, one of the other greatest things that I have on this earth is when my dad says, hey, I'm proud of you, son. I'm, I'm proud of you. There isn't much. There's random times where dad, after the service, would come and grab me by the shoulder and say, hey, I love you. I'm proud of you. That means a whole lot to me. You know what? 
the same as it means a lot to me that my earthly father, and I get that everybody doesn't have that relationship, but that my earthly father would be proud of me, how much more that I would desire to know my heavenly father, that he would say, Aaron, hey, I'm proud of you. What is it that we say all the time? I hope one day that we would hear what? Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Man, but as I know him, the outpour of my life is that I am, I am making him happy. The outpour of my life to my father. Listen, here on this earth, I don't, I don't feel, that, and I, I think every person in this, I don't feel that I owe my parents anything. I don't feel that I owe my parents anything because I provide for my children and when I get to that age, I don't think that my, parents, my children are going to have to, hey, you know what, Dad? And I'm going to, at, at 18 years old, I'm going to take out the spreadsheet and the Excel sheet and I'm going to be like, well, uh, Madison, I don't know where Madison is this morning. Is she out there somewhere? Madison, you cost me $353,743.25 and um, by the time you're 45, I would like that back. We don't do that to our children, do we? No. It's not a bad idea. <laughs> we don't do that for our children. We do our best to raise them. We do our best to, to help and hope that they would, they would live in a godly manner. They would do all those things that we would look back and we would say, man, I'm so proud of my children. And we'll be proud of our children. But never in a sense that they ever have to owe me anything. But yet, deep inside of me, I feel like I owe my parents. Do you understand? I do feel that I owe my parents, though I know that I don't. Love, respect, honor. You know what? I can never repay what I feel that I owe my Heavenly Father. I can't. I can't. There's nothing that I can do to give anything back to what I really owe to my Heavenly Father. No more than there is anything that I can do on this earth to truly give back to my parents what my parents have given to me. Nothing. But I do it to the best of my ability by hoping, by striving, by praying, by living my life in a godly manner that I would strive to, to please my Heavenly Father and in pleasing my Heavenly Father, He would say, well done. Why do we do this? Why? Listen, I could say the easiest thing would just say, listen, there's no greater joy than just walking with God, than knowing that you are walking with God and the greatest blessing comes. Here's what you get. You get eternity with Jesus. That should be enough. It really should be. But guess what I am? I'm selfish. I'm prideful. I'm a lot of things. And as we look at this thought to know him, the more that I know him, the outpour of my life is to walk with him. It is to serve him. It is to do the things that God would, would say that as, as we strive to be more like Christ. God's word says, and I'm not going to, for the sake of time, I don't have a lot of time to go through all of these things, but in 1 Corinthians in verses, or chapter 12, it says, Now there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit, and there are differences of ministration, but the same Lord. And going down to verse 27, Now ye are the body of Christ, and members in particular. Going to verse 18 of chapter 12, God has set the members, every one of them, in one body. In First Peter chapter 4, and verse 10, it says, As every man hath received the gift, even so minister the same one to another as, God, as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. And as we look at that, you might say, How does this tie together? Listen, God, as we come to know Jesus Christ and we know him intimately, God designed every single one of us with a gift and with the ability to serve as a part of the body. And you may be the pinky, and you may be a thumb, and you may be an eye, and you may be an ear, and however we want to joke and play that part, regardless, that's the reality that God set us in motion to serve and to love him, and out of that love and out of that, we would give back. And I say this, and I've said this many times. I do not serve you. I serve God. In serving God, I get to serve you. I do not serve you. 
I serve God. And in serving God, I get to serve you. As we go through and we look at this to know Him and to walk with Him, I think an area that we fail in our walk, in our service to God, is that our walk or slash service is our relationship with God. And when your service to God becomes your relationship with God, you will quickly find yourself out of both. When your service to God becomes your relationship to God, you will quickly find yourself out of both. Because you're not doing it for the right reason. God created in each of us, within our spirit, a desire to serve and to love Him and to do that through the local church. When we overstep that bounds, it's no longer natural. And when things are no longer natural, they eventually fade themselves out. Lastly this morning is to share Him. God's Word is clear that we are to go into the world. The, the passage in Matthew that we would uh, go into the world, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. We look at those things. I, I, I'm not going to go through a lot of that, but I said this and, and when we were going through the book of Peter, 1 Peter, I really hit on this hard in one particular service is that the time has come that judgment must begin at the house of God. And as we wrap up this morning, we wrap up this thought of knowing Him, walking with Him, and sharing Him. I'm going to hit, I'm going to land right back on 1 Peter where I was before. And that the time has come that judgment must begin at the house of God. Listen, it's really funny for people to go around and your co-workers to say, Oh, I'm going to hell and all my buddies are coming with me and we're having a big party. You know the reality is, they, I believe some of them truly believe that. If you know Jesus Christ is your Savior, you know that hell is no party. You have Inside of the faith that God has given you, you have a little bit of, uh, of faith, a little bit of understanding of the mysteries of God that you would recognize hell is a place of judgment and a place of torment. And because we recognize that hell is a place of torment and hell is a place of judgment, we then ought to have a life that is a little bit different and we ought to see somebody who might say, I can't wait to get there, we're all going to have a big party. You should look at that a little bit different and you should have a heart and you should have a desire to say, no, no, no. When we hear it, it should break our hearts. The problem is it doesn't break our hearts because I'm too busy with other things in life. See, the reality for you and I as a believer, see, I... And it's not just that I read the story, but I've read the story, I also believe it to be true from the beginning to the end, and everything in between I believe is 100% true inside of this book. And if I believe that, then I know this, I know that God judged people all throughout His Word. If we were to go back to the beginning, what happened? Just say the flood. What did He do? He flooded a whole world. Why? Because of sin. If we go back and we go a little bit further, say, say take the, the story of Moses. And we love the story of Moses because he, he takes his rod and he hits the water of the Red Sea and they part. And as they go across the Red Sea, what happens? In judgment because of sin, he allows the waters to come and it kills thousands of people. Maybe we were to take it just into the book of Acts in chapter number 5, I believe it is, where Ananias and Sapphira, all they did was they chose not to reveal everything. How many times have you lived in your life and you've just chosen not to reveal everything? Both of them were stone cold dead right in front of everybody, ashes down to nothing. Judgment is real. Listen, I don't have to tell you this this morning, but I'll promise you this. Sin is real. Sin destroys. Judgment is real this morning. And if I believe judgment is real and that the wrath of God, just as much as He loves you, He is an almighty and a righteous and a judge, a, a God of love, if I believe that to be true, which I do 100%, then my life should live accordingly. And God's Word says in Peter that judgment must begin in the house of God. And if judgment begins in the house of God, that would be my heart 
towards people outside of this, these walls and those in these walls that do not know Jesus Christ as Savior, I ought to have a, a heavy burden more so than, well, I'm a little bit busy today. Listen, I'll just... I love my family. I love sports. I love music. I love all kinds of things outside of, of these walls, inside of these walls. But let me just share with you. Let me just share with you. If I get to a place where I know God and I walk with God and I desire to share Him, things in my life, priorities will be affected. Priorities will be affected. Because it's no longer acceptable for me to put all of these things inside of my relationship with God. No, God happens and all of these things come outside of my relationship with God if they happen. But what we do, what I have found myself being guilty of, is I have priorities but sometimes my vacation and movies were more important than my church. Sometimes my kids' sports were more important than church and God. Sometimes whatever it would be were more important than God. Listen, I'll be the first to tell you, and I've told many of you, you need time with your family. But I'll also be the first to tell you that family is a great excuse as to why not to serve God. You're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm, I mean that with everything in me. Because as good as your family is, God is more important. My family is important. My God is more important than my family. That's a balance that you have to make between you and God. I'm not that for you. But we have to, as we know him, we walk with him, we share him. All of those, really, they stack from the bottom. Knowledge of God has to be first. Once I know God, it is my natural desire to walk with God, to serve him in every area, to give to the church, to do the things that God has called us to do. And out of all of that, it's just natural that I speak of him. Because, man, I speak of the things that I love. Thank you for worshiping with us here at Oasis Online. If this message was an encouragement to you, would you send me an email and let me know at pastor at obclv.org. Before you go, go check us out at oasisbaptistchurch.org. And if we can be of any help to you or an encouragement to you, please let us know. Thank you so much for listening and have a great day.